Hello and welcome to the Berman Hour podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman, and welcome to the Into Oblivion series on the Berman Hour podcast presented by punknews.org. This Into Oblivion series, I am interviewing the personnel involved in making the new Divided Heaven record with me. The record is called Oblivion. It comes out very soon, February 4th, 2022. As I'm recording this, it's the 24th of January, so that's very, very soon. And I have an interview today with the artist that did all of the artwork behind this entire campaign, Mr. Doug Dean. Doug has done artwork for Divided Heaven, The Homeless Gospel Choir, Anti-Flag, Sleeping with Sirens, Good Charlotte, and who am I forgetting? Well, I'm forgetting a lot, but well, that's a pretty fucking good list, right? Doug is based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he and I met a number of years ago and decided to work together. I, You'll hear it in this interview, but I was really moved by the work that he did. I believe it was the first time I saw his work with American Spring, the 2015 record by Anti-Flag, who were one of my favorite bands. And that album art was just so mesmerizing with the exploding rose that I, I loved it so much. And uh, I hit him up out of the blue and we've become friends and we work together on a number of projects now see folks that's how it works sometimes you just send a nice email how about that all right a couple housekeeping things first the Berman hour podcast is a fan supported and listener supported podcast the best way you can support this podcast right now is to pre-order the new divided heaven record again it comes out february 4th go to dividedheaven.com dividedheaven.com and you will see links for both the European pre-order site and the US and Canadian pre-order site. Beyond that, we just released Monuments last week, which is going to be the last single we're releasing ahead of the record release. But Monuments is actually the first track on the record and man, it ever all the feedback has been great. This the process has been so much fun and releasing these songs has felt especially good considering with what's going on in the world and considering that I am not yet able to return to any format of touring like I used to. So just releasing music into the wild and hearing it is resounding with people really means a lot to me. What else? Nothing else. I think that's it. Let's get into this interview with Doug Dean. And uh, yeah, this is a great interview about artwork and uh, how important it is, you know. Gone are the days, in my opinion. I was like, gone are the days where you can just be a band of four dudes and you're all wearing other bands' t-shirts and you're standing in front of a brick wall and you look like every other band that's playing the fest. Like, you can't do that anymore. You need to have some original shit. So, you know, obviously, Doug's my friend, so I would say this anyway. But reach out to Doug. See if you can work together on some cool artwork. Yeah. Yeesh. All right. Let's get it. day it was still hurting and boom there it is broken rib oh man so, uh, yeah judo, judo means the gentle way <laughs> which i guess isn't that gentle did you get to give the person who gave you that broken rib a receipt later or are you plotting no, your um, so, so i took a week off of classes and i came back told the teacher you know here's what's going on just do some light training that's fine and the guy who um did it um he overheard me and i was doing some like light stuff he was like oh like you okay? Like what happened? I said, oh, I broke my rib. 
And he's like, oh, did you do it doing judo? And I said, yeah. And it was you who did it. And he felt so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and he gave me the biggest hug. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, jeez. My goodness. But I mean, does it hurt to laugh? Does it hurt to chew? Does it, it hurt to do to. everything? It hurt, it hurt to do everything. It hurt to get out of bed. It hurt to breathe. Um, but then after a week, um, I started just testing things out, went for, for a light jog, um, able to get out of bed. So it's getting better. Doctor mm. said three to four weeks should be fine. But uh, yeah, it's the first time I broke a rib like that. Yeah, it's not fun. Ouch. Ouch. Have so ever, have you ever broken anything? Ribs? Face, knock on wood no no just hearts just, <laughs> just hearts. no no stage accidents one time never i played in my uh zombie band i uh my bit was i would crash into the drums at the end of uh the set yeah. um and uh the drummer um picked up the drum and threw it down on top of the carnage and part of the, the metal on the drum went through my uh my face <laughs> right here <sighs> and i still have a scar uh, right there if yeah. I grow facial hair, like I can't grow any right there, <laughs> so I can see it. But that was like one of those moments. It's like I taste blood inside of my mouth. That's weird. And then you look in the mirror. And it's like, oh, it went all the way through. <laughs> oh <laughs> so, no, no. Whether it's, uh, punk rock or or judo, it's always uh, some something going on. Like, you're a lot more dangerous than I gave you credit for. I, I don't know. I had you <laughs> pegged as kind of a low key dude. I, I don't think you would have. Uh, known that <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mess with you yeah <laughs> all right well it's good to see you it's good to have you on the berman hour and it's good to have you on as part of this oblivion series that we're doing Ooh, yes. where i'm i'm interviewing people who have had uh some sort of hand in this new record you created the artwork for this new record and so we might as well start with that and then we can get a little bit into your background. But this is the second time that we've worked together. We previously worked together on Cold War, the previous Divided Heaven album. Mm-hmm. And do you remember when we met? We met at a show in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. At, um, it was the Mike Lang Bar. Was it Excuses? Or am I thinking of another place? <laughs> was it the, the Lava Lounge? The Lava? It was the Lava Lounge. Lava Lounge. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 All yeah. the, the walls and the tables were made to look like they were melting away and you were, <laughs> it's totally my kind of place. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we met. Um, I forget how we got in touch originally. Maybe it was because of the work I did on American Spring and you got in touch with those guys and you wanted to meet up. Maybe it was that, but yeah, you're playing in Pittsburgh and we're like, yeah, let's meet up and talk. Yes. I rarely have I ever started a tour in Pittsburgh, especially living in Los Angeles, but I was doing a three-week solo run in the Northeast and in Canada, and the first show was in Pittsburgh. And I had my shit together at that point, man. I had it together. And I was so moved by the art that Anti-Flag used for American Spring. And, you know, they've talked about it since then. In a lot of ways, that record was a revitalization or a rebirth of the the creativity and the vibrance of that band. And the artwork really represented that. And as a fan of the band... I appreciated that they had artwork that kind of matched the gusto of what they were now bringing to the table in 2015. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I didn't reach out to, to Chris or any, I reached out to you directly. I oh, you read the liner notes. Yeah, I read the liner notes <laughs> All and right. I figured it out. And then you came to the show and we talked. 
Um, as things happened, it took about two and a half years from that point for Cold War to come out. But we right. we established a new logo and and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, I'm curious, is everybody as finicky about their artwork or as, as unsure about their artwork as I was during those first few years that we had known each other? That's interesting. Interesting point. Um, you know, never I reflect on all the different musicians and clients that I work with. Um, everyone's different. There's not, not one, <laughs> one kind of, you know, uh, person that just kind of fits the mold. Um, there's people who really care about those types of details. Um, I would put you in, into that bucket where everything that you described American spring, like the, the art needs to align with, you know, that the messaging of the, of the album. So yeah. let's be intentional about, you know, that, that side of things. Um, so there's definitely people like that. Then there's people who, um, just, that's not their world. They're very creative people, um, with their songwriting and, and ideas that way. But for whatever reason, visually, um, they just don't know they're lost. So that's the type of client where there it's, it's, Hey, here's the album, like make, make something cool for it. And then it's pretty much, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with it. And then there's the, <laughs> there's the third kind of bucket where it's almost a mix of both. And that's the worst where it's, I, uh, I, I don't know what I, I want, or I don't know how to ex explain it. Um, here's, here's, I know where I want to be, but I, I don't know. <laughs> and then it's a lot of guessing, right. And a lot of iterations and kind of figuring things out. And, and that's, that's a challenging one, but I will put you in a bucket where you're able to communicate, you know, what the vision of the album is and able to, you know, provide some, um, you know, references and just enough to, to allow me to get inside your head, you know, and, and try to nail something that, that matches, um, you know, with, with you being the, the creator of it all, you know, it has to kind of align with, with what your whole mission is there. Exhaustion, uncertainty, <laughs> anxiety. These were things that I was going through in that 2016, 2017 era, both in my personal life. And also when I was in the, the vocal booth, I, you know, I felt like I had a really strong collection of songs for that record, but I had trouble getting it on tape. And you know, I, I talked to Charlie Stavish, the producer, about it later, and I think it was just kind of like a malaise or a funk or I, I don't know what it was, but I tried really hard to not bring that to the tape, to, to our table of conversation yeah, okay. and correspondence, but I think you're being too nice. I think I would put myself into that third bucket where <laughs> I might be able to give you a vague verb or something and, and expect you to run with it because I remember the first batch of, of things that you showed me it, all the artwork was very, very literal, you know, because I, I had a song called Cold War Hangover. So a lot yeah. of the imagery had uh, references to alcohol, which was a, something I was struggling with yeah. at the time. And and it was also on the nose. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I was like, you know, the artwork for American Spring is also very on the nose and it worked. Mm -hmm. So this is the guy. I, I knew you were the person. And mm -hmm. it was just a matter of kind of fine tuning that. And then when we kind of utilized the totalitarian vision of that TV tower in Berlin, then everything kind of fell into place for the singles and the lyric video and that, like, what was the, uh, the tear effect that we, or the droop effect? Oh, it was like, um, everything? yeah, it was like a scanned, you know, uh, uh, Xerox kind of scan effect where you see half the image, but then the rest of it just kind of trails off yeah. into lines. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I got so many compliments on that, and and I have sung your praises for years now, and I really tried to get more people to to hire you. But mm. uh, I remember we were playing a show in downtown Los Angeles. We were just starting a weekend, and we had a new bass player, and I was like really nervous. And I got a message from you that you and your team had won a <laughs> is it called an Addy Award? Yeah, yeah, the Addy Awards. Yeah, yeah that's so like you, the you, the ad industry um award show so there's um like local tiers of it so that was the pittsburgh show um and then it gets up into like the nationals like it it moves on but that was at that time the the local pittsburgh um award so uh we entered um uh cold war the whole like the pack like everything it's called integrated branding so not only just like the the album art or 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 the cover it's the whole packaging experience the the lyric videos the branding like the complete package was what that got nominated for. Yeah. And I remember I showed it to a friend of mine. He's like, well, congratulations. You better not suck tonight. And I thought, (laughs) touche, touche, my friend. Yeah. So it was the album cover for Cold War, both front and back. It was the uh, imagery that was used throughout the lyric videos for Dance With Old Habits in 1983. Mm -hmm. It was the single covers for that. And I think, I don't know if Cold War Hangover, that kind of follow-up EP, had been out yet, or maybe it was about to come out. But, point. Yeah. but a lot of that, a lot of that artwork had kind of been circulated and been like casually used throughout mm-hmm. the campaign. So I think some of that was there. Um, okay. What do you remember about putting together that campaign from your perspective? Mm, I remember once we nailed the direction, then it was like firing on all cylinders like things have started moving. So it, it did take a while to kind of crack that, that um, what, what's the big idea, you know, the main yeah. idea visually. And once we achieve that, um, it's like one idea just feeds into another at that point. It's like a snowball, right? So you just start kind of really picking up on that energy. And that's where, um, I mean, I, I just can't think in a one-off kind of way. Never I do art like that. It's always, <laughs> here's, here's how the campaign <laughs> is going to work, okay, right? It's, yeah. it's just like, yeah, on its own visually it, it works. But to me, what really makes it special is never all the touch points um, have some sort of shared connection, right? So that's what makes it stronger visually as a campaign. Um, uh, just uh, uh, something that, that never you see it, um, whether it's a poster for a tour or for the album cover, like it, it just, it feels cohesive and, and, and smart and, and well put together. So that's how I like to approach it. So once we nailed that, um, it was just finding those little opportunities that, that just work, right? Like the, um, the triangles, right. For like the logo mark, right. That yeah. kind of have that, um, uh, a bomb, atomic bomb kind of sign signage. Um, you know, once we had that figured out, you know, just making that really big on the label, you know, and, and just that, that starkness of it compared to maybe some of the detailed in, in, intricacies of the, um, of the, the images um, just played well nicely together. So yeah, it's like, once we have the recipes, let's have some fun with it and just start exploring with um, um, expanding upon that, that idea. Right. The previous record uh, you didn't work on, which was called young blood, at mm-hmm. some point, I did a Skype conversation or, or some sort of conversation with Adam at Say Ten about just catching up about business and stuff. And 
he had that record framed on his wall amidst all his other releases, kind of like how you have, you know, these records behind you now as, as we're mm -hmm. looking at each other. And I remember thinking that the shitty cover, not shitty, but the the very, very casual cover that Paris Vizzoni and I had put together for Youngblood mm -hmm. popped so much more than the other records in his catalog that were hanging on his wall. I had to kind of mm -hmm. squint to see them or, or something. And there wasn't really like a, a focal point to them that allowed the viewer to catch it. So if you think that that application could work in a record store or in somebody's home collection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I decided to do an experiment where I got Arrival City, my first record, and Youngblood, my second record, framed where it would be the piece of wax next to the cover, right? Mm -hmm. And... I looked at them for a, a few months and realized, like, all right, I know moving forward the type of artwork that I can and can't use. Coincidentally, hmm. I kind of made a mistake with uh, – we did an EP called Pacific Avenue where the yeah. artwork was really, really basic. And now I, I look at it and it kind of looks like a postcard for Santa Monica, which is what the photo was from. But, like, sure. it it doesn't work and it doesn't match the uh, intensity of the music on that record. Uh. And to, to me, like, it just – it's a complete – you know, it, it was like me and my friend Tim, like, I think we tried to make it so simple that it just kind of didn't work. But by the time we got around to Cold War and we were onto this idea, we knew we were onto something good. I'm curious if your first swing at whatever you're doing for an artist mm -hmm. in this campaign album capacity anyway, is your first swing always a literal one where you want to go into that literal space to pick up on something from the title or from mm. the band name or from lyrics of a song yeah that's a good first approach um just to at least get started right and let's mm. let's get these things out of my system right mm. and sometimes that's perfect and it works but sometimes once you get those uh, initial things out of your system then your brain starts going into, you know, kind of alternate territories, which may or may not, you know, bring something um, of value to the table. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like that's, that's like a logical place to kind of go to just to get started. Right. Cause yeah. you know, you have to start from somewhere. And um, luckily for me, it, it's not like an artist, right. Where you, it's the blank canvas that that's so intimidating. It's like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to find my inspiration? It's not really that as an issue because as a graphic artist, I'm, I'm doing work for a client, right? Mm -hmm. So the solution is always um, there to um, it exist because there's a, a problem, right? That a client needs to have right. solved, right? So never I, work with the client and I have my questions and I get into the psyche of, you know, what this is about. Now I have things to go on <laughs> versus just, I'm just going to create art for art's sake and yeah. have an expression of my feelings and, <laughs> and, Oh no, I'm, I'm hitting writer's block or, you know, artistic block. Um, yeah. And that can be difficult, you know, that can be yeah. difficult. Yeah. So I, I, luckily I don't really face that because there is something, at least album title <laughs> that I can start with yeah. and, and kind of do something interesting um, with it. Um, Tell you the truth, it is hard for me to work on an album if the title isn't figured out yet. Sometimes that's the case. Um, yeah. And sometimes it, it works out fine. And sometimes, just depending on the title, it's like, uh, nah, it just needs to be, be something else. 
Um, right. Yeah, but I I do prefer to to know what the title is, to know just what the main idea of the album is, because what do you want the audience to to feel the first second that they see this thing, right? Like that first impression, you know, right. even before they they click the thumbnail to to hear your song, right? They'll they'll visually see something, right? So you have that split second of a um, impression that uh, uh, can kind of change someone's kind of way of of hearing something going into it, right? Right. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of people think of album artwork as something separate from branding, but they Mm. are very much synonymous. So if you think, for example, Cold War was the first time I really thought about the Divided Heaven brand as an entity. I mean, it it makes me money. It's part of what I do for a living, but it's, I, I to me it was always about I need to hit this chord right or I need to sing this note right or I I need to do these really really specific things properly in order to deliver at the best of my abilities what I am in t- intending to deliver. With Cold War I learned that that is also encompassed by the artwork that's on the record because you build out an entire touring cycle and a campaign around what that artwork is. A lot of the times the merchandise that you're printing yeah goes with that i don't know why it took me you know until my mid-30s to fucking figure that out but alas it did (laughs) and then of course just as you become comfortable and acclimated fully to this typically the album cycle is over and you have to start from scratch and kind of work through Mm. things again yeah and i think as we segue here into oblivion this is the fourth divided heaven record the second that you and i have worked on together but we landed on the artwork that we knew we wanted really early on. There were mm-hmm. some things mm-hmm. like minor edits, like should it be black or white yep. or things like that. But okay. can you talk a little bit about your approach into making the artwork for, for this new divided yeah. record for oblivion? See what happened there is we developed a, a relationship, right? And I understand you, you know, your goals, um, the themes of your music, much better um, the second time around. And we have a relationship now where we can trust each other, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know you're going to put out great music and you know that I'm going to do all I can to make, you know, a piece of art that that is reflective of what your vision is and how you just described beyond just art, but but a piece of branding that can, you know, work really hard for, for your cycle um, of that uh, album's life cycle. So... I think that made me comfortable enough where, okay, I didn't have to show a lot of variations to test the waters, right? So that, yeah. that's kind of what I do whenever I'm, I'm unsure, you know, where's this person's head at? You know, what type of things do they gravitate towards? Because um, like I said, I, I'm, I'm doing work for, for a client, not just art for art's sake. So I'm a little different. Like I'm not Shepard Fairey where if he gets hired to do something like an album art, you're hiring for his look for, for, for that specific style. Right. So you're, you're, yeah. you want his art to be representative for your music. Um, I don't have like that iconic uh, look or that kind of, that, 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 that presence or power. Right. So never um, I do the work. It's using the, the knowledge and tools that I have to deliver, you know, something that, that's going to work work for you, um, mm-hmm. you know, visually. Um, so after working on our first album together, um, 
I think I just had a better comfortability, right? Where um, I knew what, what worked for you and, and what wouldn't. And you um, did a very good job of doing some of that ground visual groundwork uh, because you had some of the, um, uh, what do you call it? Like woodcut type of, you know, which, which things kind of figured out whenever you were playing around with the, you know, your initial um, thoughts around the, the album. Um, and that, that was really intriguing to me. So that was more of like, let's, let's go on that versus um, just trying something completely new because I, I figured if whatever I showed didn't hit the mark, then we can at least, you know, go down other routes. But since you already had that um, started, um, and this is something that I learned over the years, um, you know, working with musicians or I guess any client that never they have something kind of in their head already, it's very difficult for me to sway you away from that. <laughs> like if I think, oh, this is going to be a way better idea. Like this is going to be better just because I like it more. Yeah. More times than, than not, like it's not going to change your, your opinion because since you're so close to the work and kind of, you have a feeling kind of, kind of what, what it should be. And you had that started already with some of the, the black and white um, woodcut illustrations that, um, like I said, I kind of did some of the work there up front. So let, let's go with that and see, see if that works. And um, uh, luckily it did, did resonate with you. Um, I think that that was a unique, you know, first initial presentation too, where it wasn't just album cover. I spent more time up front figuring out the, how this can extend, right? It was more of an exploration of yeah. that versus exploration of many different ideas that we can go. It was more of like, here's where you started out with, here's how it can be um, like an album cover, but then here's how it can expand into whenever we promote um, the first song off of it, right? The um, Poison Our Fathers song, yeah. how that ties together. You know, they're, they're communicating very different things, right? There's nothing about, um, you know, witches or anything in the, right. in the father song, but yeah. there is that visual connection too. So it was more uh, kind of um, strategically thinking that through this time around. Yeah. I remember talking to you about, you know, a little bit about my personal life and people that are sick and all of that. And mm. the imagery that you came up for the, they poisoned our father single was so was was like so hauntingly accurate about what was happening in my life at that moment that I almost, I told my publicist this uh, last year, I almost canceled the whole campaign because it made me like so uncomfortable to look at. But then I thought, as cliche, cliche as it sounds, if it if I'm having such a reaction to it, then it needs to stay. And it's doing something. Right? It's doing something. So. Yeah. Right now, we're talking in the podcast medium, even though you and I can see each other. But for those that are mm -hmm. listening in in the uh, the audio medium, we're talking about the visual medium. The cover of "They Poisoned Our Fathers" is a series of old men, faceless with static, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. kind of in an aging sense. And I am now experiencing that as my father is getting older, and I just became a dad too, so I have a different mm -hmm. uh, looking at it through a different lens. But it was it was hauntingly powerful. But I remember giving you these little tidbits of like, all right, well, I, I'm singing about witches and I sing about sexual assault and rape and I, I I call myself a whore in this song and there's a little bit of a pinch of the occult in this song. <laughs> like there's kind of this myriad. But in general, it was a darker record, much mm -hmm. more darker than my previous three records and darker than anything else I'd ever done. In an attempt to 
rebrand in an interesting and different way that sets me aside and apart from the other quote unquote singer songwriters in my mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. ilk, so to speak. Uh, you know, like you have uh, one of Derek's records behind you, Homeless Gospel Choir, yeah. who I love and is fantastic. Uh, but I don't want my artwork to look like his because his is, you've done a very good job with him of making his artwork specific. And I thought I need something that is so much different than anybody else's. It can't look like an Austin Lucas record. It, it yeah. can't look like a Chuck Reagan record. You know, it, it needed to be definitively Jeff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we landed on that really, really early, which was a huge relief, you know, because we were able to go on and expand upon it uh, much quicker. But what do you remember about putting together kind of, for lack of a better term, the eeriness or spookiness of the artwork? Because we see a lot of classic illustrations uh, or Victorian era illustrations, but that they're kind of on the spooky side. Like you look at it and you think, all right. And then you look at it again and you think there's something not right about that, mm-hmm. you know, or you look at the cover with, with the hand and with the IV line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not, you have to look at it for a few seconds before you really kind of understand what's happening or what isn't happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How did you kind of land it on all of that? Yes. Yeah, so part of it was um, the working title, right? Was IV <laughs> before, before it was Yeah. Right. So maybe that was the on the nose (laughs) kind of of approach, right? IV. Okay, here you go. But here's the thing with on the nose approach. And maybe that's why um, the the cover you're referencing that didn't really hit it for you um, with with the the California postcard look is that, yeah, it's on the nose, but there's there's a twist to it. Right. There's something that's being said. So it's almost like make it this easy to recognize and identify right like don't make it like complicated like what's going on like oh a, a hand holding an iv <laughs> like okay yeah. that's that's simple like sometimes i like thinking in terms of um like if you had to explain an album cover art um without seeing it right you know could you do it and just like say in a sentence right or right. <laughs> like you've got to go into a big explanation of this is what this is doing blah 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 then it's probably not gonna hit right doesn't mean that um, there's not a lot that you can start reading into it. I think that's the trick. It's very simple and you get, you, you get it. It's like, okay. But then the more you start looking at it, the more that the story starts unfolding in front of you. And yeah. um, that's what I find um, interesting. Um, it's the same way. I never approached things like logos and things like that. Like what's that, what's that easy thing, right? That just quickly, a couple seconds, you see it, you get it. Right. But then there's that little something that's special and different about it. And that's what makes it, memorable and touches you at a, a, an emotional level. Right. Um, so started with the, the title, right. IV um, knowing that you wanted to do something with these, um, you know, woodcuts, you had these woodcuts of devils. Right. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, especially the things that you're singing about and the error era that we were um, uh, heading into at that time with, just intellectualism just <laughs> going out the window, right? And it's, it's been worse since we uh, started our, our process on this album, it, it almost seems like, because we worked on this before the pandemic hit, right? So this was yeah, uh, 2019 that we started on this, maybe going into 2020, right? Um, so definitely the signs were there that we're headed down this anti-intellectualism 
uh, in our country. So using something like, you know, the hand of a devil, um, this has that superstitious religious kind of side to it. But it's mixed in with this medical scientific thing, you know, right. it's a high lead bag, right? And that juxt- juxtaposition is really interesting because now it puts you into the modern era, right? It's not an old woodcut de- depicting something from, you know, the, you know, the early, you know, 1400s or whatever. Right. It's, it's something that is reflective of now too, using, you know, those devices. So all the spooky, superstitious kind of vibes that you get from an image like that is now put into a contemporary context for you. Mm-hmm. I think that's what kind of gives the art some power. Yeah. A lot of what I was going for, and, you know, I joke about this, but it's true. Divided Heaven is not a good band name. I've stuck with it. I've talked with my manager and my friends. Should I just do a Jeff Berman record? No, just kind of mm-hmm. keep it. It's it's done well enough that there is some equity to the brand, exactly. so it makes yeah. sense. But despite the fact that, for the most part, me fielding calls and emails from religious zealots who think I'm a Christian artist, and me having to either, you know, on my good days, let them down politely and on my bad days, you know, letting them know that I'm, you know, a demon and I'm going to eat their children. But having having the word heaven in your band name is not an easy thing to do when you're an atheist and when you're trying to create yeah. a thriving secular brand. So yeah. I knew this time around, I really, really needed to lean heavy into that appearance of a cult or satanism or yeah. uh just just darkness and if if i was singing about something culturally it needed to have that tinge because you know there's no there's no songs on this record about uh you know there's not like a redo of born again non-believer where i'm stating who i am and this is who i am mm-hmm. and this is what i believe and though i have this band name i understand it's confusing no it was like i needed the the songs on this just cut right to the bone so i needed the artwork to do the same and i really think that we we did that i think of this as divided heaven from hell but i Mm -hmm. think of that about a lot of your artwork you know you did a good charlotte record where they're on the cover and i mean they're fucking human they're famous so people know what they look like they're they're celebrities but it looks like benji and joel from hell or you have (laughs) uh american fall by anti-flag like at first Mm -hmm. glance it's just the oval office but Really, it's like it's like the Oval Office in Hell or uh, Normal by Homeless Gospel Choir, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. album cover, great record, obviously too. But it's much like Mister Rogers' puppets from Hell, like it yeah. has that slant to it. So I, I'm kind of curious if that thread of darkness is something that other artists kind of bring to you. The Sleeping with Sirens record cover as well. Yeah. It's like a, a business attire, formal business attire from Hell. Is that like a common slant that people present to you or is that something that you're tapping into in your no. creativity? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's been ever brought to me like that. Like we want, we want this thing with this kind of dark twist to it. That's just for whatever reason, that's always something that I end up putting into it. Cause like I said, I just want to have some sort of visual storytelling um, and really hit somebody hard emotionally right mm-hmm. never they really digest what they're looking at it and sometimes that twist of seeing something um that seems friendly um but then has this dark kind of facade to it um 
speaks at some great like uh, emotional levels right um it's, it's kind of echoing life in a way yeah right like for, for example homeless gospel choir the, the puppets right and um and I, I can't take credit completely for that. Um, Derek, you know, he he had this idea that he wanted to use these Mr. Roger puppets um, in there. But as we're doing the the photo shoot for it, um, it was really important to me getting the hand placement down for these puppets, right? That it's not just like you had to give them life, right? And yeah. almost like you know, you're 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 entertaining a kid, but just how they're almost like leaning in, almost like kind of threatening right and it's kind of weird like we have to give some like some some kind of um uh uh, um, uh, uh life to these things these inanimate objects right and just nailing that down like that was such like a little thing that that made that work you know just these these two devil the cop you know they're they're kind of you know they're here to kind of entertain you but they have this kind of intent to them um uh, Saving the Sirens, that was a case where they showed me some uh, heavy, you know, th- thematically heavy um, covers and said, we want something shocking like this. So that that was a case where they wanted something kind of to, to hit you hard. So the whole um, kind of head candle, head looking like it's a, you know, neck with a head just kind of... Yeah, it's, be- be- off. it's brilliant, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's what I was going for. Like something that, that shocks you, you know, right away. But then, then you notice like, Oh, it's a, it's a candle. Oh, Oh, but then that, what does that mean? You know, someone that's, you know, their, their light has, has been burned out. Um, so that, that, that was a case where I, I went into it thinking, okay, we got to be on the nose heavy <laughs> at yeah. first, but then kind of explain what the deeper meaning behind there is. Um, but for example, like they shared with me the um, rage against the machine album cover, uh, I forgot the name of it, but the one with the the monk that's on fire, right? I think it's a self titled record. That's the first record. Okay, okay, yeah. But they show that they're like, we want something like shocking, yeah, <laughs> like this. Um, so it's like, okay, <laughs> like one, this is a an iconic image, right? That actually has happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So, so I guess yeah, we can think of it that way. But once I started really understanding what those songs were about, um, you know, that just you know one of those things where it clicked, and then just once that idea works, then we were able to extend it into lots of different, you know, mis misplacing of, of heads and objects and what that kind of means with, you know, mental health. Yeah. I think you're probably most well known or synonymous with anti flight because you've done a num- mm-hmm. more releases for them than anybody yeah. else. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. All right. So Chris number two, Chris Barker, who's an alum of yeah. the Berman Hour here, uh, <laughs> when he was on, he told this great story about how you went to art school with his ex and the her and you, you were the top two people in the class you said, and that while he thought your artwork was really good, there was a part of the reason why he wanted to hire you was like a spiteful hire. Very late, a very Larry David esque move by Chris number two Barker. Um, Can you confirm that story? Is that how you guys? (laughs) So going back, um, Never, I was going to school. I was 19 at the time. Um, and yeah, it was um, Chris's ex. Um, and they were working on For Blood and Empire, mm-hmm. right? And they were working with um, Winston Smith at the time. You know, the insomniac guy, Dick Kennedy's yeah. guy. And for whatever reason, like, it just wasn't 
hitting right. Um, and um, his um, his partner at the time said, "Hey, like, how about you know, do, do you want to throw your hat into the ring? I'll get I'll get you in in touch with <laughs> the guys, right?" And I was like, "Oh, great!" Like the you know the insomniac guy um, couldn't do it. Yeah, I, and and I was a huge fan of Anti Flag, right? So that that was like crazy to me. Um, yeah, it should be noted. That, it should be noted for those at home that you are a Pittsburgh person. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up, grew up in the area. Yeah, that's one of the things where, like, you find out about Anti Flag, you like them, you're really into them, and then you find out they're from Pittsburgh. And I think Chris even had a similar story because he was a fan of the band before he yeah was in the band, right? So a similar type of thing. It's like, wow, these guys are in Pittsburgh, and then it, like lets you know that you know success is accept accept accessible for you right um no matter where you're from so so i think that kind of beacon um worked worked for us in similar ways Uh, but the story goes that um i was young and stupid right i what i delivered to them and i think chris even mentioned to it on the podcast with you that there just wasn't something you know completely on with with the work i was doing just because i was young and naive i i was hungry i wanted it um i did some um i thought good thoughtful stuff but it wasn't you know that at that level yet i don't think i was ready for it um so unfortunately they, they used someone else but i stayed in touch with the band ever since right and it was um uh you know years after that never they started doing american spring when chris got in touch with me and yeah that was at the time whenever his relationship was um you know started falling apart mm. at, at that time right um so yeah, I, I knew that there's some trouble going on there, but I, I guess I didn't know that it was um, a little bit of spite in there. Maybe, maybe a little bit. I, I, I kind of knew, but <laughs> maybe I'm projecting my own Larry David ism. Yeah, maybe unfairly. Maybe. So I, I shouldn't say that. With been a little, little taste in there, but <laughs> actually what happened was um, I'm trying to think um, for whatever reason we got in touch. Um, the, before the American Spring, and that's where we did the um, noise event. I'm not sure if you've ever seen anything about that, but um, with my company, Wall to Wall, we're a design brand company. Um, and at the time, I was a, a designer there, and I wanted to do something really interesting and artful uh, for the community that bridged music and art together. That was always mm-hmm. you know, a, a passion of mine. I, I like music. Like I said, I, I played in bands um, growing up. Um, and then I just got more into the world of, of the art, art side of things. Um, hence why I, lo- I love doing, you know, album art. Um, so I can kind of blend those worlds together. So I was doing the noise event with, um, with Chris, you know, we got in touch and talking with him, I realized that he was the like art minded guy in the band and never you, um, meet someone who just kind of speaks that same language that you speak, like right away you, you start clicking and every share ideas, you're just able to really kind of bounce stuff off of each other and kind of really, really grow those ideas into something really cool and, and powerful. So I think we had that kind of relationship where, where he kind of gets, our minds kind of work well together. Right. Um, so we did this art show, music art show thing <laughs> called Noise. And I think that was the, the, the relationship that, that kind of opened the door that, hey, there's something here and never, never um, American Spring uh, was being worked on. Um, that's never Chris, you know, gave me the call and said, Hey, would you, would you want to work on that? So I, th- I think it's a little, little blend of that personal relationship that we built. And then 
a little bit of spite. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything that you're working on now that you're allowed to talk about? Oh, good question. Um, There's nothing crazy active right now in the music world. Some things. um, I think I'm allowed to talk about like anti-flex stuff. They're, they're, they're in the initial kind of stuff. And um, out of all the bands I work with, I get introduced to their process early on more than any other band. Sometimes it's like a week before the arts do and I'll get (laughs) a call from like a label (laughs) or something, right? We need something, right? That kind of falls into that bucket of clients where it's like, we don't almost you know, an afterthought, you, right? You just need yeah. something, right? <laughs> um, but but anti-flex opposite, where it's a year to two year process <laughs> with them. I should uh, bill them hourly, then I I make a lot of money. <laughs> uh, but but I love it because, like I said, it's like this relationship that we have where uh, Chris will share demos and, and things like that with me, just the stuff that he's working on, just kind of get a reaction just thematically you know here's here's where i think we're going so um they're in the initial stages of that right now so nothing really to kind of talk about but like like always they they want to do something you know that is haven't done before let's let's try something new so early early phases uh for that yeah awesome well good stuff man well thanks for coming on the podcast and thanks for being willing to talk about the work that you've done for me and you know i think Despite the world being absolutely wild right now, I think that this is going to be a cool and original and creative rollout of a campaign with the artwork and the music and everything. So thanks for being a part of it, man. Unfortunately, the world is uh, kind of crazy. Um, It's always crazy. (laughs) It has different different types of crazies. But um, unfortunately, the album art really works (laughs) now. I think it's a a nice kind of, you know, piece of... uh, piece of something that whenever we look 10 years from now, you know, it's, it's kind of significant for now. Um, like I said, we, we did this starting in 2019 and just more and more headlines popping up, the more and more this art is, is relevant. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of a scary thing. All right, there you have it. My conversation with my friend, Doug Dean, who did all of the artwork for Oblivion. So many great bands. Most notably, the last three or four anti-flag records, which just look fucking great. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks for picking up the record. If you haven't yet, please go to dividedheaven.com and pre-order Oblivion, the new Divided Heaven record. I will be back next week with a very awesome guest. Not that they all haven't been awesome, but this one, uh, we'll just say that they're across the pond. I was got it. All right. See you next week.